Welcome to another edition of Skeetopia. I am the one and only Skeet Almighty, but you, my friends, can call me Josh. My partner in crime, the one and only... This Frank. Frankie. What's going on, Doc? How was your week, man? It was all right, man. It was all right. You know, it's a beautiful day. Woke up this morning... 65 degrees. Oh, that's beautiful. Finally. Finally. The South Texas heat has just officially drained me. I didn't get hot until like two. Yeah. And if you think about it, this was not as hot as it's been. Like around two o'clock, like whenever I got to go run coop, it's like fucking 97, 57% humidity. It's it's ridiculous, man. It's awful, man. Hey, check this out, Josh. Listen. Oh. You know what that is? Miller High Life, the nah. champagne of beer. Yeah, we are. This, this is my number four, number five, something like that. Yeah, you're up to five. Uh, I always now. get, always get a couple of. Not that it was can. No, always get a couple of champagnes in before a show. <laughs> because they will be. That's right, folks. This Saturday, round two of the Broken Sessions, What's the up? Amp Room. Rain on the aftermath. Our special guest. Definitely looking forward to that. Got to tell you, Skeet. I was checking Rain on the Aftermath out this morning, get another run through. I was cleaning the house. Yeah. Fuck, they're good. Very good band. Ah, they're good. Old Andrea, lead singer, she's got some sweet pipes. She's, she's good. She's got some pipes, man. I'm telling you. Their music is going to translate so nicely into an acoustic show. I'm really, really pumped about it, bro. You know, I I wish I knew what songs they were gonna do, but they're hiding. They're they're on the down low right now. They're oh, keeping fuck them the down low. They're keeping it. Ah, we're we, gonna have to give them a call. We should demand because you said this morning you went over like the whole thing, and you've got your top three. Yeah. What do you remember them off the top of your head? Oh, hold on, I got it right here, man. Stand by, stand by. Because oh, and don't forget, folks. After the podcast is done. Um, doors open at 6, show gets started about 8 o'clock, obviously Rain on the Aftermath is our guest. When we're all said and done, take a little short intermission, and then we continue on. Very cool band, Sounds of Sovereignty, uh, we'll do it. And then, uh, of course, uh, the fine people from Rain on the Aftermath are going to step up and wrap up the evening. It's First be acoustic show they're going to do. First acoustic you know, you show. You know what they always say? They always get very excited about that. And Godsonic said the same thing, you know I never thought why we didn't do an acoustic session. I never thought about it. Well, now you're thinking about it. They all say the same thing. Nobody's ever thought about doing an acoustic session. I, I, I've seen, uh, maybe it's just you and I that are such big fans of acoustic music that uh, that's almost the first thing I always think of now when I listen to pretty aggressive rock bands. I always think, okay, I wonder how this would translate into an acoustic show. Yeah. So the top three, I got Rosalie. Okay. Phobia. Uh, drifting and organism. Ooh, top four. See, so uh, I know they're going to be listening to today's podcast. So Damn there you go. We're just we're we're putting in, we're planting the seed, if you will, so you can be able to step up and uh, quite possibly, hopefully, at least uh, two or three of those songs that he just mentioned. So, so on this on Reverb Nation here, it has uh, uh, top three songs: "Rain on the Aftermath," three songs, "Speed of Life," and "Drifting." Those are and fiction. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Scratch that. Scratch that. But the but the songs you mentioned though, those are your favorite from Rain on the Aftermath. So yeah, far, for sure. Right? Yeah, their top three were um, Fiction by Orgy, Speed of Life by the Grip Weeds, and Drifting by Rain on the Aftermath. My bad. I misinterpreted. Oh, okay. Misinterpreted. <laughs> Reverb Nation. <laughs> misinterpretation is going to be key here that's in this show. Be, that's right. In fact, that's what we should technically call the show. <laughs> misinterpretation. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There we go. We just officially came up with the name of today's show, Misrepresentation. Yeah, so folks, please remember, doors open at 6. It's free to get in. Rain on the Aftermath. We get started with round two. About 8 o'clock, 
and we'll go on for probably about an hour, uh, maybe an hour ten. We always kind of go over a little bit because once you and I start getting wrapped up and everything, we always say to ourselves, oh, we've got to watch out what we do. Got to keep an eye on time. We can't do it like we did God Sonic, where it was like fucking... An hour and a half. <laughs> over by like 45 minutes or some well, shit. Well, we screwed so. up and we kind of screwed the fans over by going over so long. God Sonic didn't get a chance to play some of their songs that they wanted to. Yeah. So we, we don't want to screw over Rain on the Aftermath nor Sounds of Sovereignty. So we're going to be really cognizant of, of how we we structure the show and make sure that time is, time is given to the band's because that's what this is about. That's Time right. is given to the bands to do what they want to do. That's right. Don't forget to visit the website, Skeetopia.com. Got to follow us on Facebook. Got to follow us on Twitter. Of course, if you're not subscribing to the podcast yet, fuck you. What's wrong with you? Whoa. Whoa. Hey there, buddy. <laughs> Come on, man. A little man. belligerent, huh? <laughs> Sometimes you have to get a little, a little terroristic. Angry, huh? You gotta get a little. Angry. Oh, really? Get a little extreme. <laughs> a little extreme. Okay. I'm not there yet, but okay. <laughs> oh, I've been there. Whenever someone says, "Well, you know, I listen," so what do you mean? You don't subscribe? Shame on you. What's wrong with you? You should be subscribed. You should to read show. the Skeetopia Bible. That's right. <laughs> read <laughs> read Skeetopiaism. Skeetopiaism is that? Skeetopiasms. Yeah. Skeetopism. Skeetopisms. Whatever. Yeah. Any one of those. You get it, motherfucker. You understand what we're talking yeah. about. You and I were mentioning uh, some of the stories that were obviously made news, and I'm never surprised by some of the stories that make news. But every time, look, you and I always go back to whitey. Why do white people always have to start messing with assholes? Every time, it always goes back to the asshole. Did you read about this story, man? An Ellis County grand jury indicted seven volunteer firefighters, including the department's chief an assistant chief in connection with the alleged sexual assault of a fellow male firefighter. Get this. Here we go. With a chorizo. <laughs> with a Mexican with sausage. sausage. I, I don't understand. Like, they don't go into great detail of what happened. What did this guy do? Because usually when white people want to punish another white person... They don't fuck them up. Like Mexicans, if you fuck up, like you're in a gang or something, they roll you. The brothers, they fuck you up too. Everything you hear, white people, shove something up his asshole. (laughs) Always the asshole. I never understood that. But here's a prime example. So, you know, reading this in the paper, five men allegedly bent. Allegedly. Allegedly. Always allegedly. (laughs) Always. They know he shoved. There's video of him. There's nothing alleged about it. (laughs) It's alleged until they get until the court of law determines that in fact they did not allege. They actually did. They actually. And the videotape's going to be a key piece of evidence. I think. I don't really know if I want to see that videotape. To be quite honest, I kind of want to see it. Do you? You want to see the guy? I want to see it. My intent is chorizo. I want to. I want to see the white man scream for Uh, mercy. (laughs) They bent the unidentified victim over a couch, pinned him face down, and attempted see attempted to assault him with a broomstick handle before the woman. It just so happens to be the guy's wife says, you know what? Let's use a sausage. Chorizo. Chorizo. Let's use a chorizo. And they were laughing. His wife. His wife. That's See, so fucked up. I mean, uh, I, number one, I don't know about you, but that's divorce. 
That's divorce material. Maybe, you know, I kept think, reading this story thinking to myself, you know, maybe all the times he kept fucking her in the ass. Maybe she was pissed off and told like uh, his friends and said, let's show him, man. So you like shoving stuff up your girl's wife. This is what it's like. Yeah, I guess. You know, we, we really don't know what, what was going on there. You're not supposed to do that to your wife or your husband. No. You're definitely not supposed to let other guys shove a chorizo up your husband's ass. No, ever. Especially if he doesn't want it. I mean, if that's what you're into, you know, hey, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. If that's what you're into, then by all means, enjoy yourself. Indulge. Indulge, if you Indulge will. Indulge yourself. In- but uh, that wasn't the case here, you know, and they attempted to do it, which leads me to believe that he clinched up pretty tight. Yeah, because, you know, the guy was obviously fighting it. But the weird thing is when they decided to go ahead and basically assault the man's asshole with a chorizo on the video of course that will see again white people videotape the shit and you can hear I'll post it on Instagram <laughs> man this is gonna make a funny YouTube video we gonna get some hits <laughs> yeah hit straight to fucking jail you idiots so now there they are uh, most likely all of them are gonna wind up you know I mean they're gonna be getting fucked with uh, many a chorizo up the old asshole. These but. are people that are in the public service. These are fire department. These are fire department. I mean, they're people. volunteers are, or whatever, but whatever. Still, though, bro, I mean, I, that's just one of those and things. Then, and then even better, man, like, he apparently he went, like, crawling and weeping to the shower. Yeah, in, in the videotape, they're showing it, and he's crying going into the shower. Like, like the crying game. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't believe it. And then they took his clothes. Took his clothes. I mean, what insult to injury. What is it, man? Is that like a, a, a sophomore high school gym? What's going on there, man? These are volunteer firefighters. These are adults. I mean, are you that fucking bored? Hey, there's not a fire. Let's go fuck with Billy's asshole. Yeah, it, again, <laughs> it's, it's one of those small podunk towns. Where's Ellis? It's in Texas. Oh, what? it's some East fucking, Texas, yeah, East small Texas. Small podunk town where you get a fire once every Six, six months, months, maybe, <laughs> if that. Yeah. We bored. <laughs> we bored. Let's go fuck him in the ass. You are going to touch my ass. And then they pin you down, and there you are crying in the shower. Ah, these people, man. It's so fucking hilarious, dude. What's wrong with these people, man? It's Whitey. Whitey always does that. How many times have you ever heard stories? A group of Mexicans were fucking with another fellow Mexican and started shoving stuff up his asshole. A kielbasa, white sausage <laughs> up his ass. <laughs> Again, this story, like, we don't really know the whole story there. You know, and you're right. The wife did it to the husband. Like, maybe she was fucking one of the other volunteer firefighters. Maybe he was fucking around on her and she found out. And she talked her lover into making this happen, right? We don't know the whole story there. Yeah, Something fucked up happened there. He was unlike. Because I, I tell you, there's no way. There's no way in hell that I'm at work, no matter where jo- what job I'm at, that some chick, unless I'm fucking her. Right. Hey, why don't we put a sausage up that guy's ass? First off, if anybody ever told me that, I would think they're joking. Like, when they have the serious, you know, the serious face where you know they're not joking, I'd be like, I'm not shoving anything up anybody's ass. So you're not. You lost your fucking. You have, you unless, have gone crazy. Unless you're a weak man and you're already fucking his wife. Ooh. Right. We don't know what happened, man. Route. There's Once a lot again, more to this story. Oh, see, and that seems to be the Why theme for Why would your wife do that to you, man? She's a cunt. There's something wrong. There's something there's wrong something with their relationship. Wrong with there's there's a Gotta lot be. more to that story than we know, bro. Gotta be. And we don't know who else she's fucking from the firehouse that they all decided to gang up. I just don't and understand. And maybe she's fucking all of them. I mean, maybe she could be a complete slut. We don't know that. Uh, a, little, talk a, a little volunteer firefighter gangbang. Ooh, a little bukkake action. <laughs> <laughs> talk about stories, man, that once again, you just 
don't know the real story. The whole. The whole story. story. Did, the the uh, whole chorizo. That's <laughs> you don't know the whole chorizo. <laughs> uh, this story comes from the UK. A woman named Nicola Austin apparently gave cocaine to her daughter for her 18th birthday. Oh, they, happy birthday. Hey, you know, that's a hell of a gift. Yeah. You know, because here in the States, usually, like for me, when I turned 21, my dad said, we're going to Vegas. You're 21, you want to go drink, you want to have a good time, where's the better place to go have a good time? You go to Vegas, get drunk. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's Sin City. Anything you want, pure debauchery. Maybe in the UK, their thinking is like, let's buy some blow. My dad took me out to eat. Oh, is is that it? He didn't take you to Vegas for your No, he took me out to eat. It was nice. It was a good gesture. Uh, He didn't give me any Coke, which would have been appreciated at the time. (laughs) That's a hell of a gift. Suddenly you you open up this box. It's all nice and wrapped. A A bunch of fucking eight balls. A little teener. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Dad. That's awesome, man. I wasn't expecting this Uh, from you. This is great. I wanted you to eat first. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. Call Josh. (laughs) I'd be like, fuck yeah. Call Josh. Tell me what I did for you. eh? $461 dollars worth of cocaine it was divided 12 two eight balls different right is that about yeah, two a little balls? less than two eight balls but yeah. then she split it up into 12 different wraps so i'm thinking if it was like for her daughter and then maybe some of her friends so they could yeah. all go ahead and do some blow together she, uh, what were that like 12 like just hidden around the house or some shit yeah it was like an easter egg hunt for blow <laughs> <laughs> Easter blow hunt. Easter. <laughs> I personally have never gone Easter egg. That's hunting. such a great idea. That is like if you're really for like an adult, an adult, adult Easter, Easter party. That's right. Where you're there, you don't know what's going to be in that motherfucker. It could be uh, some weed, little, little weed, it could be, it could be a little, little little bag of some black tar heroin. That's it could be. You never know. The man. golden egg. <laughs> the golden egg is the H. That's what that shit is. Here's what's interesting though. The house was raided, which is how they found out about it. The drugs were discovered during the raid at Austin's three-bedroom home in London. She said, it's all been blown out of proportion. I've had enough. It isn't exactly the scoop of the century, is it? It was just a party. Come on, let's get over it. Now, here is where you and I are saying something's there. Why did they raid the house? I mean, if someone was to snitch, SWAT. let's just say SWAT, SWAT came in and cleared that house. So look, how many times, because you and I were talking off mic that there's been many a story when some bitch wants to get back at her man, she'll pick up the man. He's got cocaine and drugs all over the house. I got my boy Stoney up in Dallas, man. Same shit. He got a bipolar chick. Call the cops on his ass. Oh, he's a drug dealer. Cops never showed up at his house. No. No. Because it just doesn't happen. It never happens There's like that. There's something else going on there. I'm thinking... She you was know, already on the radar of the local maybe authorities. She, maybe she was a madam. Maybe, Yeah, maybe she's like a big-time dealer. Yeah. Hence why she got... How did... You know... How does every mother... Your mother, my mother... It's not one thing. Mom, do you know where I can get some blow? Honey, I've got the good hookup. You don't hear that shit often. Even from white people, you don't hear that shit. You don't get raided unless you're selling out of your house and there's a lot of activity going on and the neighbors are calling and six months later, boom, SWAT comes in and busts you because there's just a lot of activity outside your house. A call doesn't do it. No. One call to the cops does not make the SWAT come out. There's a lot of activity going on. There's a reason. There's a reason the authorities went to her house and raided it. And it's not for a little party they had for her 18th birthday. 
yeah, where they knew a bunch of blow was going to be there. Nonetheless, a great uh, gift. I, I, oh, a phenomenal gift. <laughs> you well, know. 12 little bags. Go find them. Happy birthday. There's 18 all over the house. One for each year. Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine that? Now, that's a hell of a birthday present. <laughs> This is the theme song for her. Cocaine! Don't forget to go to the website, skitopia.com. Follow on Facebook, follow on Twitter, at Skitopia. We do Instagram as well. This Saturday, the Amp Room, round two of the Broken Sessions. Today's rock and roll interview. Very cool guys. The band is called Otherwise. Had a chance to talk with Adrian and Ryan. They're both brothers, Latinos. Phenomenal band. Frank, have you had a chance to listen to Otherwise yet? All right, what's up? This is Josh uh, broadcasting from the same bus. It almost seems like I'm stuck in the Matrix. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Otherwise. Except uh, now there are two guys instead of one. You might know the band. Otherwise, peace at all costs. I got Adrian and I got Ryan. What's up, Josh? How you doing, man? Very good, man. What's happening, bro? All right, back in 2012 was definitely your breakthrough year. You spent most of it on the road promoting the album True Love Never Dies. I wanted to get things started with you reflecting on the last two years and how you're feeling currently about the band's status. Um, the last two years have definitely been a roller coaster. Rock, I mean, rock and roll itself is a roller coaster, you know. We, we call it the, the world's greatest mind bleep. Um, you can cut. Oh yeah, we can. We call it the, the world's most—it's the most righteous mindfuck in the world, man. Being in a rock and roll band, um, and the, the past two years have been uh, nothing short of triumphant and tragic at the same time, as as it seems to be par for the course for us. Um, you know, we're we're here, we're grinding it out, man, and and it just all the obstacles that get placed in front of us as we smash through them, it just makes it that much more righteous when we do win, you know, so. Yeah, to be, uh, you know, uh, past m members leaving and uh, parts of the team um, going different routes, you know, to get over all those things and still have uh, packed houses around the country, you know, that makes all the, uh, the hardships worth it, you know, and, and that seems to be like a tone, an undertone with our band is like, we are a perfect example of, of a group of people who have a common belief yet face a lot of adversity and uh, you know through us like sacrificing uh, everything and, and putting our balls on the table you know we, we come and our dreams come true every night when people are singing our songs back to us it's got to be a great feeling I think almost a feeling of accomplishment if you put kind of your heart and soul into a song and to be able to have the crowd sing it back how exciting is that for you as a band just as artists in general it's it's extremely validating you know the, the one of the the, the the great perks of this this profession is instant gratification you know so if you if you put something out there a piece of quality artwork the people react to it you know regardless of whether you're financially successful or, or a mainstream you know band or celebrity status what have you you know we, we, we play these little clubs around the country with sometimes no radio support in the cities that we're in and like you said you know these people they connect with our, our message and that is that is just ultimately righteous for us uh, you've talked about how peace at all costs raises the stakes across the board for otherwise can you elaborate a little on that 
Yeah, well, I, you know, we were faced with the, you know, the uh, scary uh, sophomore album, you know, and there's always that that test of, you know, the sophomore slump and, you know, were we just a band that wrote the song Soldiers and, you know, that uh, it really, uh, really brought us together as, as bandmates, uh, you know, writing, writing the, uh, the album and working with the producer that we worked with. And, uh, you know, it just raised the stakes because now we know that, you know, we are here and we're in, you know, we're in the national scene and we're striving for the international scene now. And it's just has raised the stakes in a sense that, you know, this is our life and we have to make it happen. You know, this is our life by music and, you know, nothing's going to stop us because it, there's a lot of things that could have stopped us yet again with the making of Peace at All Costs. So. And, and, you know, it's definitely, it shows our focus. This album has raised the stakes and the bar and the, the level of, of uh, creativity for us for and craftsmanship. You know, we really focused on this batch of songs and you can you can hear the maturity from 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 the material on True Love Never Dies to now Peace at All Costs. It's 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 a clear improvement, you know, and and and, uh, and evolution. So we're very proud of that. So Tool, Stain, Stone Sour, and others have helped us. Uh, they've given us great stories about working with producer David, let me see if I pronounce this right, Botrill? Botrill. Uh, who's also produced, who also produced a Peace at All Costs for you. Tell us how he helped you in the studio get to the level that you were reaching for. He, he really helped us, you know, find the identity of each song. Each, you know, on, on, our, on both our albums, we, we strive to, to have... Um, you know, a variety of vibes, and he was very, very adept at breaking a song down and finding the core of it and, and what, it, what what the basic message and, and feeling and emotion was, and then rebuilding it back up, you know, and, and we actually got real pre-production time with him, and we, I mean, we sat down and went through every song, literally note by note. Yeah, he had blueprints for, for every single song that we were even considering for the album before he had even got to town to record with us. So you can imagine that, you know, level of attention to detail, you know, was showcased throughout the entire recording process. And it helped us as musicians to be around a guy who, you know, it's like, there's a joke. I'm like, are you sure we should do that? He's like, well, I do have three Grammys. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. All right, we'll, we'll definitely okay. consider it then. Yeah, and, and as a vocalist, you know, you, you just mentioned some bands that are legendary, you know. And so, you know, before coming into the studio with us, David worked with guys like Corey Taylor and Maynard and Aaron Lewis and... I mean, stellar vocalists, you know, and so for him to take an interest in our project and, and, and see something special in my voice, you know, that was that was the compliment of the highest order just to begin with. And I was nervous. I was so nervous meeting this guy because I'm like, dude, you've worked with luminaries in, when it comes to, to singing and, and being frontmen. And, and he came in and just totally put me at ease, put all of us at ease. And I mean, I still text with the guy to this day, you know, like, like he's one of our friends. He became like part of our crew and, and it was just, a, it just felt, it was a really good fit. It was very natural. And he helped me explore different, if you listen to P Peace at All Costs, we're doing a lot more character stuff with my voice. There's, we're doing things that I don't think a lot of other guys are doing or, you know, right now in our quote unquote active rock genre um, I, I feel like David helped us find 
an identity and a unique voice to, to, to kind of set, set us apart from the pack. While you had tons of songs to be considered for your debut album, uh, when you returned from the road after touring in support of True Love Never Dies, did you have a lot of ideas or were you drained and had to struggle a little to get into that mind frame to create some new songs? It was definitely both of, of those things. And, uh, we, you know, we got off the road. We toured True Love Never Dies for 19 months, practically straight, 19 months straight. And, uh, you know, we were a little nervous. We had ideas, but it's, it's tough having the creative flow when you're on a bus and you're moving. Yeah, we still were able to record with Corky, uh, our drummer. And, uh, you know, we got off the road and we, there was definitely this weight on our shoulders. Like, man, we got to come up with something, guys. But then as soon as we started the uh, sessions, the writing sessions for Peace at All Costs, the, the songs just started flowing, like immediately. And we found that we had a deeper sense of uh, anger and, and uh, a greater sense of hope. And so it really came to uh, give us a lot of creativity with the songwriting process. And it, it just flew right out. And the songs came for Peace at All Costs. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very easy process writing the songs, you know. Um, I personally am a, uh, a fan of, of co-writes I, I, because you never know. You sit down with another songwriter, another artist, you never know what they bring out of you or what you bring out of them. And um, when, we, when we got together at the end of the, the first touring cycle, it, like my brother said, it was just very natural. You know, the songs, this batch of songs was written for the most part, all together. You know, you're, a band puts out their debut album and they've had their entire careers and lives up to that point to write those songs. But our second album, these songs are all, like, from the same pride, you know, the same little wolf pack. And, and uh, you can really hear that, again, that focus and, and that maturity um, in, in, in Peace at All Costs. And, and, you know, it's just... Again, like you said yourself, it's it's raised the bar for us, and so that that's what we strive for all the time. It's just there's always room for improvement. While you were building a loyal following in Vegas at the beginning for the band, there did come a point where it seemed you could not break out on a national level. So, what were you thinking at this point in the summer of 2012? Uh, you know, we've got a good thing here in Vegas, and be happy with the status quo, or was it just let's just go for it? Let's just go and hit the road. It was actually the, the summer of 2011, and and we were literally my brother and I and Corky. You know, Corky had been in the band for going just about a year at that point, and but he'd known about us for years. You know, in Vegas, and it was like, what else can we do? What can we possibly do? We were we were beating bands in, in band battles, and they would go on and get signed and sign record deals and go on tour. You know, and, and it was like, what what are we doing wrong? And 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 that's where soldiers came from. That 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 song was our 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 call to arms to ourselves. And uh, you know, I mean, we were we were really close to giving up, man. That summer of 2011. I mean, we were seriously considering. I was I was that summer. I worked a friggin' landscaping job, and, and I ended up having to go and mow one of my best friend's lawns because he was part of the landscaping. Uh, he was one of the one of the clients, and you know, and it was just like, what am I doing with my life, dude? Hey. The song Soldiers. Yeah, and uh, the rest, we, we got our little slice of history from that, you know? Uh, the latest song from Otherwise is Coming for the Throne, which is definitely probably one of my favorite tracks on uh, Peace at All, All Costs. Track five for people listening. What can you tell our listeners and fans about this song before we play it today? 
Well, we, uh, you know, we sat down, the, the three of us, um, with uh, with a friend of ours in, in Vegas, a cat named Kane Churko, and we imagined, the concept was like, okay, well, what if we could go back in time? What if we had a time machine, and we could go back to when we each started our freshman years in, in, in high school? You know, what would we say to that young 13, 14-year-old kid? And... That's that was that's the motivation behind the song. That's the message behind the song. And then as we started playing it live, it's also taken on. You know, I see the I see these young kids. You know, I mean, I'm talking like you know, 10, 11, you know, and younger sometimes even up front at the all ages shows, and they're right up against the rail, and you know, they're just they're bright eyed and they're watching everything we're doing, and it started dawning on us that this is also, you know, you're coming for the throne, you, you, you little guys, you little wise ones, let the world know that you're coming for the throne, let the bullies on the playground know that you're not going to take any shit from anybody who, you know, you know, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's another rallying war cry for us about standing up for what you believe in. You know, there, we, we've realized as, as the years go on, you know, that there's a lot of love and, 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 and positivity, you know, that surrounds the pursuit of your, your dreams. And then there's a lot of darkness that's always trying to, you know, interfere with that or the, or the jealous of it or, or they're just like there is evil out there. And, you know, this song is a testament, you know, that don't put up with that shit. And, you know, come for your throne, coming for the throne, you know. Can I, can I say one thing? Sure. It's, it's one of the... Another thing about that song in particular is it's it's it represents like believing in yourself and not letting other people tell you who you are or try to tell you who you are. Because when Ryan came up with that riff and we played it to a few people, they were like, "That doesn't sound like otherwise, man. What are you guys trying to be like? That that's not an otherwise song at all." And we're like, "No, no. This this is an otherwise song. This is from us. We are going to make this a great song." And it turned into now a single that's on the radio everywhere. And it's like, you know, dude, we know who we are. We know exactly what sound comes from our hearts. And, like, don't tell us who we are. We'll tell you. Yeah. And it's yeah. it, it represents that whole thing. And then thematically, lyrically, it just expanded upon that whole thing. Hey, Corky, where'd you come from? Man. <laughs> I was just walking by. I hear you guys talking about coming for the throne. Man, I don't talk about coming for the throne. <laughs> Look at that. Corky, everyone. <laughs> Making his debut on the show. <laughs>
as a band is for people to feel hope. Do you feel like you're accomplishing this goal when you talk with your fans in person at the shows or through social media networks? And two, what are some of the examples of how your music has given your fans hope? Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, the biggest pay that we get while you know on the road or in this band. You know, it's not it's not about money for us because that is not. <laughs> that doesn't happen in the in our scene right now. Uh, but really, we get paid with uh, seeing hope in uh, people's eyes and, and them being inspired. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there it, that that's our biggest message, you know, because it's it's hope that has got us to this point, and we just want to continue to share that and 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 make it even more so, you know, that energy. Yeah, the. Every day when we get off the stage and we go to merch, the merch booth, and we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, make gas money by, you know, hawking our T-shirts and our, our, our memorabilia. But, you know, we meet these people that line up just to tell us, look, you know, you, your, your music got me through my divorce or, you know, your music helped me through chemo, you know? And it's like, okay, that, like my brother said, there, there it is. That's the payoff, you know? And, and, and it makes it all worthwhile it really does and if we're if we're accomplishing that then that means we're doing our jobs as artists as as songwriters as musicians and performers we are accomplishing what we're put on this earth to do one of one of the biggest things that we've been through is you know that uh that life experience of death and so we we hope you know personally that there is something more to this life and after and a lot of fans hear that in our songs and and say you know when my my father passed away or, or my brother or you know my wife and there's tears in their eyes it's like okay we're doing something right keep going keep doing what keep doing what we're doing you know like and that's like the best feeling really it is yeah and, and just to touch on that you know with a song like even Soldiers, you know, from our first album, that message has been so embraced by the military community that where they, they pass it on now to the generations of newer soldiers and military service people that are coming up. And, you know, these guys come back from tour and they're like, dude, I would listen to your songs and drive through the streets of Afghanistan in a Humvee blasting your music. And, and, it, and that, that's what I listened to when I went out before I would go out on patrol was otherwise I'd put your guys' music on, you know. That to us is like, dude, you know, wow, man. What do you say to that? You know, all, all we can do is leave our, our heart and soul on the stage every night for, for, for all of these people, military and civilian, that, that believe in us and get our message and connect with us, you know. 
Have you guys done anything overseas with the military as far as playing yet? Not yet. We're working on that. We hope, we're hopefully something big um, will be coming up for us where yeah. we can we can go this summer and do something for the troops over there. Yeah, very cool. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, artwork. I'm an old school guy. I collected CDs for forever simply because I always loved the artwork. I like being able to hold it, touch it, yeah. read all everything about it. Uh, tell me about the cover art for Peace at All Costs. Well. The- the, the title comes from uh, a tattoo that's on my throat, which is a saying that our grandmother used to say. It was basically her mantra when the Irish side of our family would get drunk and beat the shit out of each other, you know, and, and she would always say, peace at all costs. We need peace at all costs. Please, 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 you know, peace. You know, we must have peace. And to us, you know, we've taken that as, you know, this is, and I've said this before, I think, uh, but it, it's a veiled, it's almost like a veiled threat. It's like, you know, don't give us peace or we're going to take it man you know and the artwork for this album is a, is a picture of my neck and, and it's kind of a, an homage to the uh, Sublime album cover of Bradley's back oh yeah. yeah and you know it's just very real man you know we actually went through this whole process of hiring artists and getting these really awesome amazing pieces drawn up but it just didn't really fit with well you know what are, what are we trying to say with this album what is the, the the subject matter where are we at as human beings and as artists and then you know we i mean in the beginning of this process our mother was like why don't you just take a picture of the tattoo on your neck because it's real and we're like yeah okay mom you know and then mom's no best yeah, and then towards the end of the the recording process it was finally like so somebody else on the team was like you know you know this is the only time that you guys will have to put this out and make it as real as possible just just put a put the put a picture of adrian's neck on the cover and bam you know it, it's it's there and i mean when you see that album sitting on a shelf next to all the other albums it stands out because it's it, there's nothing look that looks like that right now it's 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 visceral it's gritty it's 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 rock and roll man loyalty let's talk about that adrian and ryan um uh, your parents have been together for about thir- over 30 years. Tell us about their loyalty and how that relates to your own personal relationship. Yeah, I think, you know, that uh, uh, it's almost been 40 years now they've been together. And, uh, you know, that is something that was kind of like, I guess, subconsciously and indirectly taught to us is, uh, you know, within our small families, you know, sticking together through the hardest of times. Um, whether it being good or, or you know, or, or the bad times too, and us being first generation Americans, you know, they've they've taught us many different ways of thinking, not just you know what we see on television or, or you know what was that you know in our, our schools, and we've definitely like we've definitely showcased that in in our band too, you know, because we've gone through so many musicians, but we had a common dream and you know music and playing it out. And, that was our dream, and so we've stuck through all the hard times to make it happen. Corky, are you loyal over there? Okay, just checking. Just seeing if you're away. Just, just, just checking. Hanging out. Hanging out. I just had to check on old Corky over there. I passed by on the right question. <laughs> hey, man, he just, I just play drums. He's right? a drums, dude. He's a Craigslist player. <laughs> he's, he's filling out a drummer's wanted ad. <laughs> I, I got it. Someone texted me once. <laughs> uh, two more questions, guys. When you prepare to hit the road, what are some of those necessities that you take uh, with you that maybe helps you, uh, keeps you occupied on the downtime when you're not doing uh, meet and greets or, you know, uh, going through tremendously awesome interviews from guys such as myself. Kettlebell and good reading are, are, are definitely a good couple couple good ways to stay occupied on the road. Um, and then 
gold bond and baby wipes. It's a good way to stay clean on the road. We got, we got some boxing gloves too. Boxing you know gloves. The, that really helps. Uh, some pads, boxing gloves. When you're frustrated and you're getting stir crazy, just going and uh, throwing around some hands and combinations keeps your mind sharp and your body fit. So we're we're into that shit. Very cool, man. Keep the balls clean and uh, take out some aggression. Yeah, yeah. Well, like that. And a nice bottle of whiskey. Everybody. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> We usually let the artist pick two more tracks so we can play on the show. We call them uh, little extras. Uh, since I got two of you guys, you can either pick one each or two each. Just kind of depends what you guys want to do. Uh, off the album that you either really like about the album or you personally like performing live. And why? Set it up for the fans. Um, I would have to go, I guess, with, if I picked one um, for, for now, it would have to be Meet Me in the Dark. Um, I like that song because it has a wide range of vibes within the song itself uh, and it really captures our message of you know light through darkness and when we you know we, we, we co-wrote that song with, with Brandon Saller from Atreyu which is one of me and my brother's favorite bands ever uh, and and you know we were we were we had Batman the Batman trilogy was on on the, on the DVD player while we were just sitting there jamming it was like on silent and we're watching the Dark Knight Rises and we're trying to like imagine what Batman would sing as a lullaby to his kid, and and so we came up with "Meet Me in the Dark," and and then I, and then my son was born, you know, shortly after that, and he's he's going to be five months old now, and I want him to know that the monsters under his bed and in his closet and and in his head, you know, need to be afraid of him, you know, and I want all the kids across the world to feel that way, and "Meet Me in the Dark," I really think encompasses everything that is otherwise uh, I, uh, you know to elaborate on the light through darkness because I think that's like our most important initiative as a band to get across and I, I know it's our, our single right now but really coming for the throne again I, I can't even we play it every every night and uh, it's exciting to, to, to see another song another positive message driven with aggression uh, to, to come across to our fans like that that's really a song that really cut, touches close to my heart like the guitar riff it was really important you know less notes but more powerful riffs and uh, and that was a kind of a tone for the guitars on, on Peace at All Costs and uh, yeah I would say Coming for the Throne and then uh, you know artistically you know it's a long song but uh, Man on Fire is definitely one that you know kind of uh, dips into you know our own personal you know the thoughts that happen in our minds as artists and we wrote that with uh, two of my best friends from high school Nick Giordano and Dino De Maria and uh, that's just a really exciting song as well the band is otherwise the album is peace at all costs guys thank you very much for hanging out with me tonight and uh, I look forward to checking you out live finally for the first time all right man thank you you guys you you, you and Lloyd have always been so good to us man and, and it's good to be back on the show thank you for, for believing in us and spreading our message all right big round of applause Adrian Ryan the band's otherwise you've never seen them that's live. what I'm talking about though man that's a hell of a band, man. That's what I'm talking and about. And if I'm not mistaken, they are going to be back in San Antonio either in February or March. I'm a little pissed off at you for not bringing these guys to my attention before me. Oh We're going to have a talk offline about this later, right? You know, you need to be on top of this shit. Yeah, if you. I'm on top of it, you need to be on top I of it. I need you, man, to introduce me sometimes, okay? I Every once in a while, it's just one of those things where I can't Suck to the <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on, man. Always goes back to the chorizo. Back to the chorizo, dog. What's up, dog? You like that chorizo? The chorizo. The chorizo. I'd like to hear Matthew McConaughey pronounce chorizo. 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 No, 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 Matthew McConaughey. He'll, he'll, no, he'll pronounce he, it because yeah, he's he, banging. I mean, he's got the. Yeah, the he's Brazilian got a Brazilian. Yeah. I would, I'd like to hear him speak Spanish, though. I don't think I've ever heard him speak Spanish. Well, I mean, he'd be like more prone to Portuguese than she's Brazilian. But right. Nonetheless, okay. I bet he'd have the inflection. But it's close, down. though. Chorizo. Uh, he had that, the rolling R. Well, you know, it'd be Get funny. Some of that, some of that chorizo. <laughs> like a, 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 an accentuated. <laughs> it's really accentuated, though. The roll of the R. That's that right. Chorizo. <laughs> Overly exaggerates. Overly just, just really just kind of uh, gets into it. Yeah, we're fucking with you, Matt. We love you. Man. Yeah, we love you, hey, man. Matt. Matt, listen to the show, bro. Even if you thought we sucked, it'd be awesome. I would love it. We'd like you to be a part of the show. Come on, Matt. Quit playing. <laughs> Come to the dark side. Stop <laughs> playing, dog. You're, you're already on the dark side, but your wife's Brazilian. Come yeah, it's on. right. Come on the show, Matt. Well. Here it comes to the part of the show where we get somewhat serious because it never surprises us. Every podcast we get into, there is somebody out there in with, the world, especially big, here in the United States. With the States, big chorizo. With the big old chorizo. Two words, Frankie. Kim Davis. Ah, oh, Kim. Ah, oh, Kim. She's one of God's messengers. Is That's she right. Say? I don't know why I'm doing the Agus accent, but it seems fair. When, <laughs> when you're doing God's work, mate. You Do you must. really think that God is going to have an accent like that? No, but I feel like I should be doing an accent. Like when old I'm, English? Yeah, when I'm talking about God. You know, just like in the movies when like you have something that has to do with any Roman Empire, they're all speaking with an English accent, even though they were speaking fucking Latin at the time, right? That's right, yeah. Right, so you have to have, to give yourself any credibility, you have to be speaking with an English accent, right? This is the woman from Kentucky that decided not to sign any marriage license over to homosexuals. Now, obviously, the law was passed by the Supreme Court to do that. She decided that it was against her religious beliefs to go ahead and do that. Henceforth, she essentially broke the law and the judge ordered her uh, at least six days in jail. So she was in jail because she broke the law. No, I don't care who... She was you, also doing God's work, man. That's right. According to her, she was doing God's work. You and I obviously have a huge problem with this. Now, should we go ahead and let them hear Kim Davis leaving the jail and, of course, the fine political figure that decided to kind of go in on... I, I believe it's a moral imperative as well as God's message as well. Please, play for us. <laughs> Thank you all so much. I just want to give God the glory. He is, his Praise people him. have rallied, and you are a Praise strong him. people. Mm. Strong. Mm. We serve a living God who knows exactly where each and every one of us is at. Just keep on pressing. Don't Press. let down. Because he is here. He is. He's worthy. He's worthy. I love you guys. Thank you so much. She's going to wind up running for office in Kentucky. I just, I can already see it. Like she had, for those of you that saw the video of her doing this, number one, she is pretty much the stereotypical redneck Kentuckian that is just, you know, she had her husband there that looked like a sidekick from Hee Haw. I mean, it was, it was just yeah, fucking ridiculous. Yeah, overalls and the Overall, straw hat. straw, you know, in his mouth. That's right. That's my honey. What Fighting the, for the good Lord. What the hell? 
Ridiculous. It was even worse, of course. It was a fucking circus show. Man. Oh, it was. And you know what? Because you know it's officially a circus when you have politicians that are there to ride that wave. Hence, like Mike Huckabee. I told Kim today that I feel like she's shown more courage than most any politician I know and most every pastor I know. Because she's not only said something, she's been willing to put her life at risk in order to follow the Christ that came into her life four years ago. And that's a bold declaration of the authenticity of her faith and the reality of it. Okay, Mike, look, let's not go crazy. Put her life in danger. You know she was in some little cell. Like, I picture it, you know, like out of a scene from Blazing Saddles where it's just empty. You got a couple of clerks, a couple of good old boys just making sure she's taken care of. Three hanging cells. Out. Three cells in the whole place. And the only other person in jail is probably the town drunk hanging out. Oh, Kim, how you doing? I voted for you. What are you in for, girl? Prostitution? No, I was doing the Lord's work. Oh, okay. Good for you, girl. You know what he said? I won't him? shank you. What he said it was interesting that I didn't catch at any point before, and we've talked about this shit a lot, and I've read on it. Yeah. He said something about you doing the Lord's work that came into your life four years ago. Apparently, she's uh, new. She's a newly... She's a convert. Yeah, she's so a convert. So before that, something else was going on with her, right? See, before so maybe. that, she, she, she just converted. Four years ago, she found God. Just like uh, when you go to prison, you find Allah. That's right. Right, or you find God in some way. And because you were a prostitute or you were a drug dealer or you were a killer and you found God in prison. She found God four years ago. Four years What's ago. What's the story on this chick? Nobody knows, right? Nobody's done any research on this chick. No, no one's done a background check, you know, because look, now that we actually have heard it and we're saying this out loud. So what were you doing four years ago? Who, what kind of sense? What kind of skeletons are in her closet? Yeah. Who, who were you four years ago? I mean, that's your husband, but is it really your cousin? I mean, you're in Kentucky. You know, you're is right. it polygamy? There's, I mean, there has that to that be being said, there. there's definitely a shit ton of skeletons in her closet. Yeah. Like, you open up her closet and a big fucking femur hits you in the forehead. <laughs> Bone, bones start falling. Yeah, you get buried under a pile of bones. <laughs> a lot of skeletons. Something's going closet. on with this chick, See, man. but they don't, though. You know, a lot of these people right now, because it has become a circus. One big circus. When you have politicians... That have openly, and he said, I will be more than happy to go to jail in her place. I doubt that seriously. Bullshit. Number one, I don't think that's how that works. These you know? politicians are using her little ass to beat their political agenda. Of course. You know, 2016 is already right around the corner. Time to start electing some politicians. Look, Mike Huckabee has always been one of these guys that is very, he's a diehard religious zealot. He is a Christian zealot. Good word, Skeet. <laughs> Good word, Skeet. Thank you. Zealot. Thank you. Now, here's the real kicker of this thing, man. And you and I were talking about this. She's 49 years old. She's refused to resign her $80,000 a year job. The only way she can lose her post is if either she's defeated for re-election or she is impeached by a state general assembly. Uh, unfortunately, though, it looks like that guy is about as conservative as she is. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to get rid of her. And she's not going to resign 
And come Monday, tomorrow, by, tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this uh, podcast, this whole circus will have played out. Yeah. Barnum and Bailey will have shown up. There's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be those clowns on the little, little, little motorized fucking motorcade. There's going to be elephants. There's going to be magician. Mike Huckabee will be there. Straw hat. Straw hat. That's right. Man, good old boys just hanging out. She is doing, she claims God's work, right? Mm-hmm. I believe she is, is, is touted as an apostolic, right? Yes. Right? So, so apostolics, for, for those of us who don't know, and we had to actually look this shit up. Yeah, we didn't know either. Because <laughs> we, we know that she, she takes what the Bible says literally. Everything that happened in the Bible, every word happened. Just as it said, the snake in Genesis, the serpent, actually spoke. That's right. I actually had a conversation with Adam. They're yeah. chilling. Chilling. They're chilling around the orchard. <laughs> you know, uh, Eve sitting over there, you know. Looking all fine looking and Looking all sexy, yeah. <laughs> and the serpent's like, hey, hey, doc. Hey, doc. What's up? The snake being played by Matthew McConaughey. Hey, what's up, Adam? Adam. Yes, yes. Hey, um, I'm the snake. I'm the serpent. I'm the snake. Hey, I'm up here. Wait, oh my God, you can talk? Hey, that's right, I can talk, dog, and I got something to say. I can't be talking to you. You're a serpent. Maybe I'm just... Don't talk. Just listen. Oh, fine. You see this apple right here? It looks good. It does. God told you not to eat this, right? He he did. He specifically said, serpent, that I cannot have this apple. he did say that, but I'm telling you that it's okay. It's delicious. It's juicy. It's fruity. It's full. Look how red it is. You should eat this and take one. Over to Eve. She likes you. She likes you. Do you really think she likes me, though? I'm just kind of, no, just don't know. She she doesn't just like you. She likes you, likes you. <laughs> Take it and go, hey, trust me. Well, you are talking. You seem like a pretty honest serpent. <laughs> <laughs> and I, would like to, uh, I would like to imagine that that's how the conversation went down between Adam and the servant. Next thing you know. <laughs> next thing you know. Eve's chopping down all the apple. They're all centered. Everybody's uh, there. That's next thing you know, for the rest of us, God for, oh, God help us. We're you all know, sinners. We're all sinners for now. the for, From time, eternity. We're all, right. we're all dead. All because of Original sin. He had to have that goddamn apple. Way to go, Matthew. I mean, serpent. <laughs> right. All goes back to McConaughey. It all goes back to Matthew McConaughey, the uh, serpent in the garden. But she's an extreme. She really is. She's an extremist. She is. She is translating the Bible literally. She believes that the serpent talks. She believes that all the magic tricks that Jesus did actually happened. She believes that a serpent with seven heads came out of the sea. She believes all of these things, and and that's great. I'm I'm glad that she has her beliefs, but she is now imposing her beliefs on the rest of the citizens, those that she is elected to serve. Now. That being said, there's another group of people, Skeet, that impose their beliefs on other people. And they would be? Well, they're definitely extremists. Would you classify her as a, as a, as a zealot, an extremist? Yes, absolutely. She is a Christian extremist, just like there are Muslim extremists. Except she's not killing anybody. She's not killing anybody, but she's an extremist nonetheless. The Muslims, they have interpreted the Quran and they have found small bits and pieces in the Quran to to make what they believe, what they want to believe, real. And what did they do 14 years ago on the 11th of September? 
smashed two big-ass planes into the World Trade Center. And the Pentagon as well. And the Pentagon as well. Because they believe in their hearts that Western beliefs are evil and that we should die. And they're following their beliefs and they did what they believe to be true and right. And I think you're really on to something for this because with every religion, look, so many wars throughout history have been fought over religion. Now, you're right. She isn't out killing people. But there are, you can think back, people that have murdered abortion doctors or these Christian terrorists. They have zealots. bombed abortion they, clinics because they don't believe that, right. that abortion is right. They believe that uh, inception or that life happens when the sperm penetrates or fertilizes the egg. Which is fairly quickly from what I understand. Yeah, after you bang a chick, apparently it might right. happen. <laughs> While you're smoking a cigarette and having a... You're oh my God, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it happens that quickly. And that, that's when it occurs. So, And they believe that bombing an abortion clinic, they're, they're using that belief and bombing the abortion clinic to, to mold those beliefs and show that what they're doing is right and real, just like the Muslim, Muslim extremists. And I think what people need to understand, too, is that, look, so maybe something you don't know about Frankie and I is that we both grew up in extremely religious households. You went to Catholic school. I went to a Christian school, non-denominational slash Baptist. I had religion shoved down my throat for years, for at least 18 years of my life. So the one thing I will say about this is that women like this, people like this, give true Christians a bad name continues to give them a, a blow to the face of what true Christianity represents because the minute you have some big mouth bitch like this suddenly making it seem like everybody that has the label of quote unquote Christian they're going to be the ones shooting at abortion doctors they're going to be the ones that say to hell with gays I don't believe in gay marriage you could go even as far as saying the extremists from the Westboro Baptist Church. Those idiots are the ones that are out protesting funerals from people that have fought for this country because they said, well, you broke one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not kill. Good. You're going to hell. Fags, go to hell. These are the same. That, to me, that's beyond extreme. The only thing they're not doing that is different from the extremists from Muslims, they're not killing anybody. But you know what? I almost think words hurt as much. The similarity here is that they are taking bits and pieces from the Quran. They're taking bits and pieces from the Bible and they're molding it and twisting it around. They're warping it to meet what they want to believe. And that's the similarity. They're twisting the original belief of what it is to be a Christian or what it is to be a Muslim to meet their need. And that's fucked up. That's just so messed up. And, and she is an abomination. To she is, everything that is Christianity. To everything that is Christian, just to be human, man. I mean, I don't know what it means. I don't even know what it means to be Christian. But you know what? I don't care if gay people marry. I don't care if a lesbian marries. I don't care if a man lays with another man. I mean, that's what she's going by, right? A man that's should not lay with another man. The, the literal from the Bible. That's what she's taking it. Well, she says, you know, man with another man. So when gay couples come, and you know what? Uh, um, tomorrow, when the podcast runs. Who knows? We might find out that she's back in jail again, continuing to be defiant to the court order. Oh, and she will. And it's going to be a huge circus. I'm, I'm, a straight up Barn, Barnum and Bailey is going to be there. Absolutely. There's going to be elephants. There's going to be magicians. There's going to be clowns. It's going to be a huge circus show. And you know what's most disturbing about this? She is being compared 
to one of the most recognized patriots of, of, of America. Rosa Somebody Parks. named Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. The Rosa fa- Parks stood up. And she refused to give her seat up in the bus because she was standing up for the, the rights of black Americans because black Americans should, at the time, in the 40s, 50s, or up into the 50s and 60s, right, yeah. they were treated like second-class citizens. And she stood up and she refused. To, she actually refused to stand up. That's right. She did not want to give her seat up in the bus. She stood up for the rights of people everywhere because they are equal and they were not being treated as such. This woman is being compared to Rosa Parks. That pisses me off. It's an attempt to take an ugly stand on behalf of intolerance and to confuse people into thinking it is similar to a beautiful stand on behalf of inclusion, is what the article said. I mean, I I agree. The fact that some idiot out there would compare Rosa Parks to this idiot, number one, plain and simple, let's just make it black and white, not doing your fucking job and being intolerant to what has been, once again, you're breaking the law, Supreme Court already passed it, whether or not you believe it or not. And guess what? If you don't like it, quit. Leave. She won't, though. She's not going to be that individual. And what upsets me about this, and you and I, I mean, you made a very good point with this, is that so many people nowadays... They're so intolerant to so many things that claim that ride the wave, if you will, of Jesus's beliefs of everything that was in the Bible. They take it to this extreme measure, literally the literal meaning of it. What you need to realize, people, is that you're missing the bigger picture. Back in the 50s, Martin Luther King Jr., this was a guy It was a pastor, a true believer, a true Christian that had his speech, the I have a dream speech. I want you to listen to this because this is the big picture here. This is what people like Kim Davis are missing out on. This is what they're not paying attention to. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. All men are created equal, Kim. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. (laughs) 
dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing land where my fathers died land of the pilgrim's pride from every mountainside let freedom ring and if america is to be a great nation this must become true and so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of new hampshire let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. I mean, powerful, powerful, man. Even even back back then, the fact that... I mean, he was preaching for the rights of black people, but he's he's preaching for the rights of all people. Of all people, even back then in the fifth. I mean, that's what so many people are forgetting about today. All of us are created equal. Each of it doesn't matter who you are: black, white, brown. Keep God out of it. Just, just stop it already. Just look. It, no matter how overly religious you are, I've always been of the mind frame: if it's not hurting me, my family or my close loved ones, 
who fucking cares? Is it affecting my paycheck? Is it affecting my way of life? No. Why does this woman care? Why everything that Martin Luther King Jr. just said is the complete fucking polar opposite of what she stands, of what for. She stands for. She stands for every. She should be ashamed of herself. Honestly, she should not cons- even call herself Christian. It's I mean, an insult. Think about it this way: at the time, Martin Luther King was fighting for the ra- rights of black people. Yeah. Now, it's the homosexuals, the gays, the transgenders. Who's their voice? Not this bitch. Obviously not fucking you know what? Kim Martin Davis. Luther King should be as well. He was fighting for black people at the time, and those words preach true for what we're dealing with here in anti, anti-gay. That's who she is. She's an extremist. Let it be. Let free it at be. last. Free at last. Let's be free. I mean, we're not going to move forward as a nation unless we get past this shit. It's the only way to do it, man. Martin Luther King said it best. There's no other way to end the show. I'm telling you, man. Thank Peace you, guys. Out. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to the show. We will see you on Saturday at the Amp Room. Round two of the Broken Session special guest, Rain on the Aftermath, uh, brought to you by Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Don't forget, Sounds of Sovereignty will be on the bill as well. And then a full set from Rain on the Aftermath. All right, kids, that's going to do it for us.